Amen for that quartet. You know, um, these days of COVID, we're having to do special music and choir and sometimes scripture reading from our homes, pre-recording it and showing it to you. I mean, that's good ministry. Praise the Lord for it. But I'm, I'm always fascinated at some of the backgrounds behind this, the uh, singers. Have you noticed there's quite a variety of backgrounds there? And some appear to be in living rooms, some in bedrooms, some in dining rooms, and the occasional one in a closet. Maybe it's for the, uh, the sound, the reverberation, the, the echo of it, but it's all good and I love it every minute of it. Well, with your Bible open, please, at 1 Corinthians and chapter 2, I want to remind you of a, a well-known verse in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. It says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. And very simply, we, we usually say, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. From that verse, we understand that thinking directs the living or the behavior. The way you think is the way you live. And that's, that's a biblical truth. Back in 1964, two musicians by the name of Bob Crew and Bob Gaudio, they wrote and produced what was to become a number one hit song on the music charts. And the song was entitled, Walk Like a Man. How many have ever heard that? Two hands, all right. That's good, <laughs> because it's, uh, it's just a worldly song, I suppose. But the song was performed by a group called the Four Seasons. The lead singer was named Frankie Valley, and he had this falsetto voice he could do. You know what a falsetto voice is, right? This is a normal voice. This is a falsetto voice. He, he could do this amazing falsetto voice, and it was very strong, too. And so singing this this song, Walk Like a Man, Frankie Valley belted out the words in his falsetto voice, Walk like a man, talk like a man. And when you think of it, it's a very unusual song about being a man. Now, should Christians behave like men? You know, one of the biggest problems about being a human is that we tend to think like a human and speak like how humans speak, and behave and act like how humans act. And I want to suggest to you today that this is probably what's wrong with many Christians around the world. We're walking as men, not as Christ. Huge difference. You see, the Bible clearly tells us here, look at it in 1 Corinthians 2, 16, at the very end, it tells us very clearly that we Christians have something special that the world doesn't have. We have the mind of Jesus Christ. And so I maintain to you today that if we would just start using the mind of Christ, then we would begin thinking like how Christ thinks and living like how Christ lives. Listen, folks, I can pretty much guarantee you that every mistake you've ever made is probably because you weren't making use of the mind of Christ. So today we want to talk about the mind of Christ. What is it and how do we get it? How do we use it? So let's have a word of prayer first. 
Now, loving Heavenly Father, please instruct our hearts and our minds. We're approaching a subject that to the world is absolute foolishness. <laughs> they just don't get it. Sadly, some Christians just don't get it either. And this, this preaching to some Christians seems kind of odd, if not foolish. Father, I ask you please to instruct us. I ask you please to grow our faith so that we can clearly see and recognize what it is you've given us. Lord, teach us how to make use of the mind of Christ for your honor, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, 1 Corinthians 2.16, there it is right there. We have the mind of Christ. God is essentially letting us know a little secret here about the Christian life. To every born again, man, woman, and young person, there's a little secret here that God has given to us the very actual, literal mind of Christ. We're not talking some kind of figurative nonsense. We're talking an absolute reality. If you're saved, you have the mind of Christ in you right now. Someone might ask, is it true? I mean, it seems too good to be true. Is it really true? And the answer is simply, yes, it's true. And if you and I want to make the most of our Christian lives, if we want to be a success with our lives for the Lord here on earth, then we need to start learning how to use the mind of Christ. Now, your Bible is open. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to go back a couple verses to verse 11. Watch. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Very simply, that means the only one who really knows you is you. You know what you're thinking. You know what you're going to decide. You know your likes and your dislikes. You know what you're going to plan and what you want to do. That's you. That's the spirit inside you, right? And the spirit knows all about you. In fact, if you want to look at it very literally, you're a body, soul, and spirit. And your spirit actually knows more about you than what you do. Your spirit knows all about the flow of blood and all of the different body systems and how things work electrically and chemically. The spirit within you knows that. You've been given a spirit at the moment of conception. Body, soul, spirit. We're a, a, a triad is what we are. And so the analogy then goes over in verse 11 to God. Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. So here the Bible tells us very clearly that the Holy Spirit knows everything there is to know about God. Does that make sense? Yes, it should. It should make easy sense to you. That means the Holy Spirit knows God's will. The Holy Spirit knows what God likes. The Holy Spirit knows what God doesn't like. You say, well, great. How does that affect us? Well, look at the next verse, verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. This is a reference to the Holy Spirit. Here it's, it's a reference like a noun rather than a person. That's why it's a small s. That we might, here's the reason, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. The Holy Spirit within us is the one who will say, hey, look, this is a gift from God for you. And look over here. Here's another gift from God for you. Many of us take, take it for granted that we can breathe, that we can open our eyes and look, that we can hear things, that we can get up and walk places. We just take it for granted. Those things are gifts. They are gifts because there are people in the world who don't have those blessings. 
They don't have those gifts. And they wish they did. If you have those precious, blessed gifts, give thanks to God. But there are many, many other gifts that God has given you. And I'll tell you one gift that God has given you, and it's absolutely a gift, and he's given it to you, and you have it, whether you know it or don't, whether you use it or don't use it, it's been given to you, and that is the very literal mind of Christ is right inside of you. You have the very mind of Christ right inside of you. Verse 13, which things, these free things given to us by God, which things also we speak, we teach We preach, we talk about them, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. We take a verse of the scripture and we compare it with another verse of the scripture. That's how you compare spiritual with spiritual. That's why if you're not consistently reading your Bible, you're missing out, my friend. You're missing out on all kinds of goodies that God has for you. You are shooting yourself in the foot. You are stunting your own growth. You're absenting yourself from the banqueting table of of God. And he wants to feed you every day. You have to sometimes fight for the time. The devil doesn't want you to, to sit at the banqueting table of God and open the Bible and read the scriptures and let the Holy Spirit teach you and then get on your knees and pray. The devil doesn't want that. And so what does he do? He keeps you up too late at night. So you're too tired in the morning. Or he convinces you, you just don't have time. Because by the time you get up and get your coffee and get dressed, you got to get out the door to catch the, the, the 552 bus or whatever it is, you know, to, to get to work. The old devil's got 101 excuses why you should not spend time with God. And it's up to you whether you want to believe it or not. You can either believe his lies or you can believe God's truth. One of the two. Make your pick. Adam and Eve, Satan came to Eve and told her certain things. She believed it. It was up to her and she chose to believe it. Did you know that Adam was right nearby? Say, well, why didn't he say something? I don't know. It's a husband thing, I guess. You know, the men, I don't know why. Sometimes men are men. Boy, I'll tell you. Boy, if I was a woman, I'd never marry a man. Knowing what I know about men, I'll tell you. Yeah, they're lazy and all kinds of... <clears throat> well, that's for another sermon. <clears throat> Verse number uh, 14. But the natural man... Now, this means, essentially, the unsaved man. But watch out, watch out. There's a lot of Christians that behave like unsaved people. They really do. You see, when we get saved... Unfortunately, we still have that old nature with us, that old sin nature. Unfortunately, rats, I wish it wasn't so, but it's in God's design. We have to drag this carcass around with us all through life. And this fallen nature speaks up. I mean, he's not quiet. He speaks up and says, don't you believe it? That's not true. That's the natural man. And the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God. The mind of Christ, oh, that's, that's crazy. It doesn't mean that at all. You don't have the actual mind of Christ in you. That's the natural man speaking. So the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The unsaved man doesn't know the Bible. The unsaved man or woman 
who are part of these Christian cults, such as the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, they don't understand the Bible. If you have a friend who's a Mormon or J-Dub or something, and, and you get into a talk about the Bible, and they quote this Bible verse and that Bible verse, and you think, oh, they know their Bible. They don't. They don't, folks. They don't. Unsaved Catholics can quote Bible verses. They don't know the Bible. They don't know the God of the Bible, and they don't know the Bible. Many of our Jewish friends, unsaved Jewish friends, can quote Scripture. Oh, but it's their Bible, their Old Testament. Yeah, too bad they didn't believe it. They can quote Bible verses too, but they don't know the Bible. If you're born again and saved, it doesn't automatically mean you know the Bible. You have to let the Holy Spirit teach you. And that's not hard. It's such an easy thing for the Christian. And praise the Lord, so many Christians do it. But we do have a fallen nature. And that's why sometimes Christians have trouble walking by faith. For example, we... um, we come to tithing, the subject of tithing. And it's amazing how many Christians who are not walking in the spirit think that tithing is foolish. Tithing, 10%. And they come up with all these different reasons. Oh, that's Old Testament law. You know, Old Testament law. Oh, that may have worked, you know, in another time, but it doesn't work today. God's promised it's not good for today. Um, I really can't afford it. I can't afford to do it. I wish I could, but I can't. And they come up with these different reasons. But these things don't hold water at all. Did you know that they were tithing hundreds and hundreds of years before Moses was even born? Did you know that? Way back in the book of Genesis, they were tithing. They knew nothing about Moses' law. Nothing. Why? Did they do it? Because tithing is how you honor God. And God's simple promise is, if you honor me, I will honor you. That's the whole basis behind tithing. I know tithing works. I'm coming up to 46 years that I've been tithing. I started tithing before, and I've only been saved 45 and a half years. I've been tithing before I got saved. I know tithing works. If it didn't work, don't you think I'd have figured it out after 45 and a half years? I've always been a tither. I always will be a tither because tithing works. God honors his word. But to some people, it's foolishness, especially our unsaved friends. If you've got an unsaved accountant helping you with your accounting and with your cash flow, and they see, what's this? You're giving 10% to the church. What are you, nuts? That's their thought. It's foolish to give money to God. Because they're not saved. They don't understand that there's a living God and he makes a promise. And if we will meet him at his promise, he'll meet us. And Luke 6.38 is still in the Bible. Give and it shall be given unto you. That is a definite promise of God. If you're having trouble with your finances, are you sure you're tithing? Tithing may be the answer to your problem. Now, I'm not here to talk about tithing today. It was just an illustration. But you see what we're saying here, that the natural mind, that earthly way of thinking, uh, it's not God's way of thinking. It's not the mind of Christ. Did you know the Apostle Paul, in dealing with this idea of having the mind of Christ, 
He's writing to a church of problems. The church at Corinth has got problems. And so he went one step further in his boldness. Look at chapter three. Look at it. Chapter three and verse three. Read this verse out loud with me, please. Everyone read it out loud with me. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? Now that's a bold admonition to the church, I would say. And Paul is saying basically this, you're thinking like men. You're thinking like men. You're carnal. That means fleshly, worldly. You're thinking how worldly people think. You're thinking like men. Because he says the evidence is here. Envy, strife, divisions. When you see those things, he says, you're carnal. There's no mind of Christ at work here. And this is true. And then later, in fact, turn to chapter 13. Would you turn to chapter 13 right now? Here, Paul uses an amazing illustration. This ought to put it in graphic, picturesque terms for everyone. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, again, I'd like you to help me read verse 11 out loud with me. Please read it with me now. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. The thing about children is that they behave like children. Isn't that right? Sometimes the teenagers, they want to be treated like adults, and yet they're behaving like children still. And we point that out to them, and oh, they get mad over that. But it's true. It's true. They're always a little bit behind, you know, in their thinking and their behaving. Even though physically they may have the body of an adult, mentally, emotionally, they're behaving like kids. And Paul was simply saying a truth, that when I was a child, now I'll just reverse the order, I thought like a child, I behaved like a child, and he says, I spake like a child. Children sometimes say some horrible things. That child that you birthed into life and nursed through countless nights of sickness and paid and provided for all their meals and all of their clothes and their schooling, And that child looks at you and says, you don't love me. Well, sometimes that hurts. Sometimes that hurts. It flies right in the face of love. It's an offensive thing. They're a kid. They're a child. Why did they speak that way? Because they behave that way. Why do they behave that way? Because they think that way. But notice what Paul says. But when I became a man... I put away childish things. Now, if you remember back to chapter three, verse three, he said, envy, strife, divisions, right? Sin, basically. He said, these things are in your church. That means you're carnal. That means you're walking as men. Wherever you find these things, be they in church or be they in your home, it's an evidence It should be red warning flags. It's an evidence. We're not using the mind of Christ, folks. We're using the thinking of men. Walk like a man. Talk like a man. Don't you believe it? 
That's not God's will for us. God's will for us is to think like Christ, to walk like Christ, to talk like Christ. Well, how can I do that, you say? Because you've been given a special gift. That's, that's how you can do it. You've been given something the world doesn't have. You've been actually given the mind of Christ. It's in you. That's what we read here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16. We have the mind of Christ. As long as we Christians are walking like a man and talking like a man, that means that we're not making use of this precious gift. And that's what it is. It's a gift given to us, the mind of Christ. Now, perhaps someone might be wondering, well, just what does it mean to have the mind of Christ? What does that mean? Can you explain it? It's easier than you think. I'll tell you what it's not. It's not trying to imitate the mind of Christ. It's not trying to do that. That's not it at all. Some people, for example, some people have their Hollywood heroes. Be they men or women, they're heroes. They're heroes to them, my Hollywood hero. And so what these people do is they try to imitate their Hollywood hero. And they try to dress like their Hollywood hero. And they try to talk like their Hollywood hero behave like their Hollywood hero, but it's all an act because it's not really them, is it? They're just trying to imitate someone else. Now, when it comes to the mind of Christ, it's not an act. It's a fact. We have the mind of Christ. Folks, the truth is our thinking ain't so good. It's flawed all the time when we walk and talk as men of this world. That's how we get ourselves into trouble. You think of the last time, husbands and wives, the last time you had a fight. Did Jesus start that fight? No, she did. No, I didn't. He did. Strife, envy, divisions. What does that mean? Oh, oh. it means we're carnal. It means we're walking like the world. It means we're not making the use of the mind of Christ. That's what it means. If we had the mind of Christ... We'd call each other sweetheart. If we had the mind of Christ, we'd treat each other better, wouldn't we? Of course we would, because that's what Jesus does. That is the mind of Christ. It's the fact. We're not acting. You say, how is it possible that we have the mind of Christ? Here's how it's possible. Because when you got saved, when you got born again, you opened the door of your heart and invited Jesus Christ to come into your life. And fix the mess. You asked him to forgive you your sin. You asked him to cleanse you. And make you ready to go to heaven. You got saved. You got born again into God's family. When Jesus came in. And because Jesus is on the inside. You see Ephesians chapter 3. I think it's verse 17. Talks about Christ dwelling in your heart. And Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. If any man open the door. Hear my voice and open the door. I will come into him. You see? That's the difference between religious people and born-again Christians. Sometimes religious people look at born-again Christians that aren't living right, and they say, ah, hypocrite, hypocrite, hypocrite. That may be true. But the difference is that born-again person has Jesus Christ living inside him or her, whereas the religious person doesn't. They just have their religion. They got their, their do's and their don'ts. That's all they have. Oh, I'm telling you, as, as long as we think like men and act like men, 
Well, herein lies most of all our problem right there. We have been given the mind of Christ. And so in order for us to make the most use of our lives here on earth, to be successful, we're going to need to learn how to start using the mind of Christ, his thinking, his behaving, his speaking, his living in us and through us. Paul said, for me to live is what? Christ. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, walking as men means that we will put no confidence in the flesh, the world's way of thinking. You see, the flesh has its desires and its lusts and its thinking. The world has its parties. The world has its way. The world thinks it knows what it wants. If we're walking in Christ, if Christ is doing the thinking, we put no confidence in that flesh. Now, Philippians 3.3 says so. Literally, it says that we put no confidence in the flesh. Philippians 3.3. So, look, let's take a look at Paul's instruction now to the the, um, Christians in Rome. So turn back a few pages, please, to the book of Romans and go to chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12. Let's take a look at how Paul instructs the Christians at Rome concerning The thinking. Romans chapter 12 and verse number two. Would you please read that out loud together with me now, please? Read out loud. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The word transformed is the word that we get the English word metamorphosis. It means a thorough, complete change. It's what we, the word we use for caterpillars that spin a cocoon and and come out a butterfly. They went in a caterpillar, they come out a butterfly. That's a complete change, a metamorphosis. Complete change. That's what God wants for the Christian. We go in with our unsaved thinking, with our worldly living, and we come out Christ. That's the transformation. If that transformation is not happening in your life, then you need to look at the verse again. It says, by the renewing of your mind, there's the mind of Christ. That's where we renew our mind. We need to get rid of the old thinking. And we need to adopt the new thinking, the mind of Jesus Christ. Now it says, be not conformed to this world. The world has its standards. The world has its, its form that it wants you to take on. Um, the world wants all of the men, you know, to dress a certain macho way and all of the women to dress a certain uh, Hollywood uh, diva kind of way. That's what the world wants. We are not to be pressed into that form or into that literal, literally into that mold. You know how you put a piece of dough into a mold and then you pull it out and it looks like a, I don't know, a butterfly or a snowman or something. That idea of a mold pressing into a mold and the world wants you to think a certain way and talk a certain way. And they want you to to be using the OMG thing. They want you to use lots of that and teach your kids to use it. That's where the kids learn it. That and off of TV. The the world wants you to act a certain way 
And when they look at you at work and they realize this guy doesn't swear. Tell you what, let's, let's find out. And at lunch hour, they bump your arm with the coffee and it goes all over you. This guy doesn't swear. He doesn't get upset. What planet is he from? Oh, he's not from another planet. He's a Christian. Oh, let your good works, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. And so let Christ live. And then it doesn't matter if they bump your coffee and it goes over you. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter if they try and do things to you, nasty tricks. You just keep living like Jesus. That will shut their mouths. That will shut them up faster than anything. When you return good for their evil. And it teaches us that in Romans as well. Very important. But this verse tells us to have our minds renewed. Folks, that is the mind of Christ. Every Christian has the mind of Christ. And listen to me, the mind of Christ, listen, it's like a gold mine. Full of gold waiting to be discovered. Now think about it. Let me ask you this. If Jesus were living your life, would he be making the mistakes you make? If I asked you, how many here make mistakes? Every hand had better go up. We better put up both hands, maybe get our feet in the air too. I don't know. We make mistakes. If Jesus were living in your life, walking in your shoes, would he be making those mistakes? Would Jesus' heart get all broken because he didn't get a valentine that year? Or someone didn't shake his hand? Or someone didn't say hello. They said hello to everyone else. They didn't say hello to me. Would, the, would Jesus' heart just get broken and crushed? Well, you know it wouldn't happen. That's why we need to let Jesus take over. This is the mind of Christ we're talking about. It's a gold mind is what it is. Now, we've got New Testament examples of what we're talking about. John Mark. He was an author. Anyone happen to know what book he wrote? The what? Say it. The gospel of Mark. So I would tend to say that that's a pretty powerful spiritual man to be used of God to write a gospel, one of the four gospels. John Mark didn't start that way. He began his Christian life, maybe at best, on again, off again, with the mind of Christ. He didn't always, he was prone, he was actually prone to thinking more like a man than like Christ. And here's what happened. In Acts chapter 12, John Mark joins up with the first missionary team. What are their names? Paul and, starts with a B, Barnabas, right? Paul and Barnabas. And this was the first missionary team. Guess who gets to accompany them? John Mark. John Mark gets to accompany the great Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. And so off they sail and they get to an island and things don't go so well, but they manage to get out of it and they get to the mainland and John Mark starts thinking like a man. Walk like a man, talk like a man. What happened? John Mark got discouraged. What happened? John Mark quit the ministry. What happened? John Mark left. 
Paul and Barnabas and took off back to Jerusalem. Well, a few years go by. Paul and Barnabas finish up their first missionary journey. Acts chapter 15, time to begin the second missionary journey. Barnabas said, let's take John Mark. Paul said, no way, Jose. Well, he didn't exactly say that, all right, but that's kind of what he was communicating. He was saying, under no circumstance over my dead body, we're not taking that young man. He let us down. Uh uh. And the division was so strong. Remember that they parted company. So Paul took who? Silas. Off they went. And Barnabas took who? John Mark. And off they went. And Barnabas worked with John Mark over a period of years. And I'm happy to say that it worked because later John Mark was now using the mind of Christ. And that's when God used him to write the gospel. And that's when God used him to be a big blessing and an encouragement in the life of the apostle Paul. Paul changed his tune when he saw this new John Mark. Now that's pretty encouraging, isn't it? There's another example in the New Testament, and it may be a strange example, but his name is Demas. Demas. Believe it or not, by this point, the Apostle Paul was very careful who he chose to go with him to be his co-laborer after that fiasco with John Mark. Paul was very, very careful who he chose, and he chose Demas because Demas exhibited the mind of Christ. And for the first few years, Demas traveled with the Apostle Paul and he was a blessing to him. Demas put up with the afflictions of the world in order to preach the gospel of Christ. But somewhere along the line, I, oh, you, you know that Paul even commended Demas two times in the New Testament. Twice he makes good mention of Demas. But somewhere along the line, Demas started to, to stop using the mind of Christ. And he started to walk like a man, talk like a man, think like a man. And so what happened? Demas quit the ministry. And he left Paul high and dry. And he took off to Thessalonica. Thessalonica. The, the last reference we have in the Bible to Demas, sadly, is in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. Paul is now getting near the end of his life on earth. And he wrote these words, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. And that's exactly what unsaved people do. And that's exactly what carnal Christians do. They love this present world. This present world has first place for the carnal Christian. Family, I think, might be second place. Church is definitely third place. The things of God are stuck on the bottom for the carnal Christian because he or she is not using the mind of Christ. Oh, I tell you, the devil loves to flip the order. That's what the devil does with a lot of young people today. You see, God's prescription in the Bible, okay, is to get to know spiritually, see if there's spiritual compatibility, and then mental, emotional compatibility, and then finally marriage, and that's when the physical compatibility comes in. 
That's God's divine order. What the devil does is he flips that around. And he tells young people, oh, you need to find out if you're sexually compatible first. So go off together in a parked car. Go take a motel together. Find out if you're sexually compatible first. After that, get to know the person. And then after that, spiritual compatibility. The exact opposite of what God says in the Bible. Talk about the thinking like the world. Walk like a man, talk like a man. Well, a lot of men are really into that reversed order. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We got to find sexual compatibility first. Oh, yeah, yeah, first, first, first. No, no, no. Spiritual compatibility first. Then mental, emotional compatibility. And then finally, physical compatibility. And you know something? The spiritual is far better. The older we get, the things that we find that are really true is the oneness we have in Christ. And then the mental, emotional, and then the physical. Well, I'll tell you one more. Even Peter himself and Barnabas himself actually slipped up and started thinking like men. Paul wrote about it in Galatians, and I have it here. I'll read it for you. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that, certain came from James. James was back in Jerusalem. These would be certain Jews came from James. He, that means Peter, did eat with the Gentiles. But when they, certain Jews that came from Jerusalem, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. Those are the Jews from Jerusalem. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with them, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. Think like a man, live like a man. Think the way humans do, behave the way humans do. There it is right there. So using the mind of Christ is something that we all need to do on a daily, daily basis. Every day, you and I should be submitting ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and letting him think, do the thinking for us. So what exactly are we talking about, this mind of Christ? Very quickly, I want you to turn to the book of Philippians. I'm going to show it to you now. So turn to Philippians chapter 2. Would you do that, please? Philippians chapter 2. You all have it? Read with me one verse. One verse. Verse number 5. Read it out loud. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Paul is about to give a five-fold instruction. Now, I want you to watch this very carefully. If you're a note taker, write this down. Because I'm about to show you the mind of Christ, exactly what it is. It's right here. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, the five-fold instructions to the Christians at Philippi concerning the mind of Christ and them. Verse number six, watch this. Who, in reference to Jesus Christ, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So what does that mean? Now, supposing that I said to you, I was God. Supposing I said, by the way, in the news, they just arrested a guy over in Russia. And I think he's in his 50, late 50s. He used to be a traffic cop, but he got it into his head that he was Jesus Christ. And so he started a cult. 
and uh, he strong arms them and pretty much robs them of their money and you know has sexual relations with the women and so on but he dresses in robes and has a long beard and he calls himself Jesus and his followers believe him and there's thousands and thousands of followers well the russian government just just arrested him because of all of the crooked stuff he's been doing to people for that man to claim that he was god boy he's he's a robber he's a thief he's trying to take something that doesn't belong to him if I told you I was God, I'd be a robber, a liar, but I'd be a robber. I'm trying to take something that doesn't belong to me. How can I take the title of God? It doesn't belong to me. But look what it says about Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Jesus is God. It wasn't robbery at all for Jesus to take the title of God because that's his title. He is God. He's equal with God. Now, I want you to see the application for us. Now, we're not God, okay? That would be robbery for us to take the title of God. But if you're born again, you can take the title of child of God. I'm a member of God's family. I'm God's son. I'm God's daughter. You go tell that to someone at work, and they'll look at you and say, what are you talking about? How how can you possibly claim to be a child of God, God's child? How can you possibly claim that? Well, you're not being a robber. It belongs to you. If you're born again, that's, that's your title, a child of God. You are a child of God as much as the apostle Paul was a child of God, if you're saved. If you're not born again, I'm sorry, God's not your father. The devil's still your father. You're a child of the devil. Say, oh, yeah, I know. That's a, a tough pill to swallow, but that's the truth. You're either, a, your father's either the devil or your father is God. I mean, it's one of the two. Jesus made that very clear in the gospel of John. And so here, number one, Jesus was equal with God. And I am a child of God. Number two, verse seven. But, being, but, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. This is point number two out of his five points. Jesus made himself of no reputation. The theologians call this the great kenosis passage. Kenosis. And kenosis is a noun. It means empty. Something that's empty. Kino is the verb emptying, you know, I empty, that sort of thing. Where Jesus Christ emptied himself, not of his divinity, but of his will. You see, look at the context of verse 7. Made himself of no reputation. He emptied himself, but took upon him the form of a servant. There's the key. Jesus made himself of no reputation. He made himself of no reputation, and he emptied himself. And likewise, I must empty myself. Jesus emptied himself of his own will and submitted himself to the will of the Father. I must empty myself of my will and submit my will to the Father. I must get rid of my worldly desires. I must get rid of my worldly glories, if you will. The point number three, it's in the same verse, and I just actually told it to you there. It says, that he took the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. This is actually point number three. Number one, he's God. Number two, 
He got rid of his will, made himself of no reputation. Number three, he became a servant. The application for me, I must become a servant. Right there, I'm telling you, a lot of Christians draw the line. They says, well, listen, I'm no one's servant. No one's going to walk over me. Well, I hope nobody does. But if somebody does, you need to treat them the way Christ treated people who walked over him. Amen? It's the truth. So point number three is he became a servant. Point number four, it's in verse eight. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus became obedient to death. The application for us is that we too must become obedient to the chastening of God. The chastening of God. Uh, Look at chapter 3 in Philippians verse 10. Look at it. Chapter 3 verse 10, Philippians. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Being made conformable unto his death. And you and I need to do a similar thing. We need to humble ourselves and we need to become obedient to the chastening of God. And God may have some chastening in our lives yet to do. It may be sickness. It may be sorrow. It may be financial. God uses chastening. Why? To make us more like Jesus. And then the fifth point is in verse 9. Chapter 2, verse 9. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Jesus Christ, after four of these points, point number five, God exalted him. The application is God will exalt us too. If we will follow the first four, God will highly exalt us in heaven. It's not payday yet. Some people love to run and get their pay before it's payday. It's not payday yet. Heaven is our payday. And we can be highly exalted. Now, quickly, let's review those five points again as they apply to us. Number one, I am a child of God. Born again on my way to heaven. I have a rightful claim to the title son or daughter of God. I can claim that. It's mine. Number two, I must be empty of my selfish desires and selfish wishes, selfish will, selfish glories. I must be empty. Number three, I am a servant of God. Did you know that if you're a Christian, you're a purchased possession? Did you know that? Hmm? You are bought with the precious blood of Christ. You belong to him, a purchased possession. I must be a servant of God and I am to serve others. I am not here to serve myself. Jesus came not to serve himself, but to serve others. We're to do the same thing. So what is it that causes a lot of the problems in our families, in our homes? It's because I want my way. I want you to do what I tell you to do. It doesn't happen. World War III. Well, what's that? That's carnality. Remember? Envying, strife. Remember all that? Sin. So number four, I must be obedient to the chastening that God has for me, that he will accomplish his will in my life. And number five, one day God will highly exalt me and he will say to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. This is the mind of Christ here on earth. This is how he thinks. If Christ is doing the thinking, 
This is how you're going to do the living. As long as we're here on earth, it needs to be our thinking too, folks. And if we're going to be successful for God, we need the mind of Christ. Now, these people in the church at Corinth, some of those people, they were not using the mind of Christ. They were using the mind of men. They were thinking like men. And consequently, there was strife and divisions and arguments and sin. And, and of course, it's the very same thing if it's in a home. If it's true of a church, it's also true of a home. If it could happen at a church, it could happen at a home. Strife, divisions, arguments at a home, a Christian home. Yes. Why? Because the mind of Christ is not being used. Mom, dad, and the children are not using the mind of Christ. Mom, dad, you need to train up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Teach your kids how to use the mind of Christ. Teach them when they're small and you'll avoid a lot of teenage problems. You know, the teenage rebellion years. When our children are young, we, we, ah, it'll never happen to my kids. Well, you just, you just go and talk to some Christian parents who have teenagers or have gone through those teen years. Now, some of them will have great stories to tell, but others will have, shake their head and say, watch out, watch out, watch out. Listen, you need to listen to that advice. You teach your kid, your saved child, how to use the mind of Christ. And when they get older, you're not going to have the problems. The answer is to daily submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and be filling our minds with the Bible. Did you know that the Word of God, the Bible, is not only the Word of God, but it's also the mind of God? Did you know that? When you're reading the Bible, you're getting God's mind in you. Let this mind be in you. Back in 1925, shortly before she died, a wonderful Christian woman over in England, her name was Kate Wilkinson. She wrote a beautiful hymn. And two or three years later, then she went to heaven. The name of this hymn is May the Mind of Christ My Savior. It goes like this. May the mind of Christ my Savior live in me from day to day by his love and power controlling all I do and say. Maybe you've heard the hymn. May the mind of Christ my Savior live in me from day to day by his love and power controlling all I do and say. Maybe you've heard it. Wonderful hymn. Huh. So the real question today is this. Who's doing your thinking? Who's doing your thinking day by day? Is it you or is it Christ? Does that make sense? A man reaps what he sows. Galatians chapter 6. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If we sow the mind of Christ, we're going to get the blessings of Christ. What are the blessings of Christ? I'm telling you, there's peace and joy and the knowledge of God's will. Those are just some of the blessings of Christ. If we will sow the mind of Christ, we'll reap the blessings of Christ. We'll reap them in our homes. We'll reap them in our church. We can reap them at work and at school and at play. If we will start using 
the mind of Christ that's been so graciously given to us by God when we got saved. It's possible that you may be here today and you're not even sure that you're saved, part of God's family. You may be watching online and you may not be sure that if you died, you would go to heaven. There's a lot of question marks. There's a lot of doubt. There's darkness out there. Well, you can settle that today. The mind of Christ is telling you, my friend, that your sin has separated you from Almighty God. You're still a child. I hate to say it, but a child of the devil. But you can, by faith, become a child of God. If you'll admit your sin, repent of your sin, and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for you on the cross, was dead, buried, and rose again. And if you will repent of your sin, open the door of your heart, invite Jesus to come in to be your Savior. It'll work for you. Forty-five and a half years ago, it worked for me. And he has never left me nor forsaken me. <laughs> I'm so glad. Well, what is this thing? Walk like a man. No, 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 no. Walk like the Lord. Talk like the Lord. Now there's something worth singing. Would you bow your head in prayer? Oh, our wonderful, lovely, heavenly Father, thank you so much for your gracious gifts to each and every one of us. This particular gift, the mind of Christ, help us to make use of it. Lord, every born-again man, woman, young person, may they take the mind of Christ and start letting Jesus do the thinking. Daily submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Daily reading the precious Word of God, the mind of God in print. Getting that into our heart, our soul, our spirit. And submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I know we'd have a little piece of heaven on earth. Father, I know it would change our our marriages and our homes, our families, it would change our church. Father, give us the faith to do this. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen.